Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of the Nothing Out of Box podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, and I am joined by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing today, Robert? I'm doing great, Ali. Glad to be back again. All right, well, we'll start with giving you props because you did call the Celtics over the Bucks. I thought I had you when the Bucks went up 3-2, game six in Milwaukee. I thought that at least should be a sure win. But then they lost, and then they went to game seven, and I was not so confident. So I'm going to give you the stage right here and dissect what happened. How did Milwaukee blow a 3-2 series lead? <laughs> I actually was starting to think, like, what did go wrong? <laughs> uh, you know, when you look at the series and, and the way that Milwaukee played, I don't think that there could have been anything more that they could have done. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when Boston beat Milwaukee 10981. Uh, I mean, they took 55 threes <laughs> and they hit 22 of them. Uh, you know, and I guess if we wanted to point at one thing, it's the lack of of three-point activity from the Bucks. Yes. Uh, you know, in that final game, they they did take 33 three-pointers, uh, but they only hit four of them. And you know, if you wanted to take a look at one angle, then I suppose that would be it. Uh, but it was just, you know, you really didn't know where the damage would come from, from the Celtics perspective, you know, whether it was going to be Williams or Hartford or, or someone else, it didn't really matter. You know, when, when you see 22 of 55 from three point land, you, you're really beginning to wonder, man, maybe that was really it. Maybe this is just the game that's being played today. And it's just bombs away from deep. And, you know, that that's pretty much the way this series went is the lack of threes versus, you know, the, the plethora of threes from the Boston Celtics. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I was watching game seven with my dad and my dad's old school basketball, like everything, you know, he lived through the bird versus magic rivalry. He loves his Jerry West days. And all he could say the entire game was they got to get rid of the three point line. They got to get rid of the three point line. He doesn't like it. I know a lot of old school people that don't like just people jacking up threes And you know what, for me, being a basketball realist, and we've discussed this, I love college basketball. College basketball is number one for me. It's just when you just have these guys throwing up three-pointers, it does take take away from the game. And that's where the Bucs aren't up to date because it's it's not just with the Middleton injury. The Bucs just play old-school ball. You know, they get it to the center. They get they have Giannis driving. They go to the, the the hoop. But when you get a team like the Celtics that's just jacking up threes, you're right. I mean, what are they going to do? They're, and obviously the defense didn't step up because I'm seeing Tatum getting wide-open shots. Heck, I'm even seeing Peyton Pritchard get wide-open threes, and he's sinking them. So I don't know if you can necessarily knock the Bucs' defense, but what we've seen here is just way two different styles of play. We see old school with the Bucks. We see new school with the Celtics. And I think that's just, yeah, you're right. That's really just what did them in. And it's really disappointing because you have such a talent like Giannis. But I don't know, Robert, like, what do you think the Bucs need to do next season to really be back to their championship form? You know, I, uh, I too play some basketball and as we all do, uh, you know, whether it's basketball or, or any other sport conditioning means so, so much. You could clearly see in the third quarter as uh, Antetokounmpo's taking the ball, he's doing everything he can to win this game by himself. He'll take it to the basket. There was a, a sequence where he went to go for a layup instead of a dunk. He misses the layup. They come firing down in transition, the Celtics, that is. Mm-hmm. And, and and to Tocumpo, he just pretty much said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll coast back on D. Ah, okay, they scored. He just gassed. He gassed yeah. out. And there's nothing you can do about that because it's a series. It's a grind. And at some point, you're just like, I, I don't have anything left. So, I, I mean, it's conditioning from, from top to bottom. He's, you know. You know, super young, he's super spry, he's an amazingly, you know, athletic talent, but he just needs more. So when you look at depth, that's probably something that's going to be mm-hmm. the dirge of any club trying to win a championship. And it's basically been, you know, the way it is, because that's why they call it the playoffs. It's, it's how, how much can you take to make it all the way to the very end, you know, and some might say, ah, you know what, then 
know, eliminate a round or, you know, eliminate the number of games being played. I think we would see a, a vastly different series result if it was a best of five instead of a best of seven. Um, you know, that being said, more talent. Ali, uh, just, you know, reload, come back. Middleton obviously will be back, you know, bring back this current team and, uh, you know, see if you could bring in a free agent that, you know, can make a difference from the outside. And I think they'll be right back in the Eastern Conference Finals. Totally. I do think they're only missing one or two pieces and it does delve from the bench. I mean, when you have Grayson Allen going over six from the field and Wes Matthews going one for five from the field in that final game seven, I mean, those are two of your starters right there. And they're one for 11 from the field. That's just unacceptable right there. And, you know, Pat Connaughton, he's a good guy off the bench, but we'll see him shoot up, you know, put up three, three pointers, sink all three, one game, the next game, he's over three from the three. So he's just not that consistent guy that you can constantly rely on from the bench. So I don't want to spend too much time with the postmortem on the bucks and probably our CEO doesn't want to hear about it anymore anyway, No, but you know, the, the Celtics very much impressed me and I do want to move on now to the series versus the heat. We watched game one last night. Halftime, Celtics have a minuscule lead, but even at halftime, and I took the heat to cover because one of my biggest uh, must-dos for sports betting, I'll lay it out to our listeners, is I always fade the winners of game sevens. I just it's it's one of my favorite betting strategies. If a team wins a game seven and then they have to especially travel on the road, I'm definitely fading that team. So I did have the heat covering. But yeah, what do you what's your thoughts from the game last night? Well, so of course we know that, you know, if you just look at it from a betting perspective, the heat were as low as one and a half mm-hmm. uh, yesterday morning. Uh, then the news came out that both Horford and smart were going to be out line jumped immediately to Miami four. Uh, total went down to two Oh three and a half, which mm-hmm. we were flying over that number. Right. Uh, you know, but now, so now the question was going to be, you know, they, they come out, they, they win both the first uh, Celtics win both the first and the second quarters alley. He roll 39 to 14 to take control in the third. And they, uh, you know, go on to not only win, but cover 118, 107 last night. So you're playing, you know, your, your top three, you're, you're missing two, you know, two significant players. Look, there was no way that Miami was going to lose this game. There's, once I saw that it was both Williams and Horford, Horford out, I, I just didn't have any any hope at all for the Celtics just because of how much they meant uh, and what you saw from them in, in the last three games of the series against Milwaukee. So now going forward, uh, you know, Robert Williams, uh, he, he's you know clearly practicing his uh, he's really, really doing well. As we saw in the last couple of games, his left mm-hmm. knee looks perfect. He's going to probably end up be playing significant more minutes, uh, you know, but we'll see exactly how things play itself out early action showing into game. Number two is uh, far more money coming in on the Celtics, both money and in tickets because of obviously everyone's planning on seeing one, if not both returning, uh, you know, for the next game out. I think that honestly, uh, we're really, really not understanding just how great uh, Jimmy Butler is, Ali. Uh, and I think it's time to give this man a, uh, a standing ovation for just how incredible a performer he is, uh, especially here in the postseason. Yeah, I'm glad actually you brought up Jimmy Butler because I was going back and forth with many people today about whether he deserves the superstar label. Uh, you know, we've seen him in past years really step up in the postseason. He is a gamer. But I don't know. I just and someone made a good point to me. They're like, well, how are you going to say Damian Lillard's a superstar, but not Jimmy Butler? And I don't necessarily think Damian Lillard's a superstar, but I know others do. But from what we saw with Jimmy Butler yesterday, I mean, the guy just plays ferociously like he, he takes no prisoners when he plays. And that's evident with the 18 free throws he had. I mean, the guy's not afraid to go up and draw the foul. And they're not like easy fouls like James Harden, for example. Like Harden, how many times do we see him take a three and he really throws himself or kicks his feet out to the defender to draw a foul? But Jimmy Butler goes right at you. And I will say I commend Butler on his game. And he's had a very consistent postseason so far. But you got to think, and I've seen it all 
the past games with the Celtics when they played the Nets and they pl- played the Bucks. They know how to adjust and they know to, how to expose a team's weakness and they know how to capitalize on its strength and turn it into a liability. So what do you think the Celtics have to do moving forward in order to beat the Heat this series? I don't think they really have to do much of anything different than what we right. know them as. They've got a, a, a top-tier defense uh, from top to bottom. And honestly, I, if Horford and Smart were both in in game number one, I'm, and I'm no bias here, I seriously thought that Boston was going to win that game. I agree. And, and, it, and it, it wasn't going to be a question. So as long as they – I mean, look, they, they, they honestly – could have won game number one, you know, if things just went swimmingly, you know, the way we saw them in the first and second quarter, what happened in the third is unlike anything that we've seen them do in any quarter, like all right. year, they got the doors blown off and it just didn't make sense how this was unfolding. The run that, uh, oh, look, every team makes a run, right? But Miami made a run that was just, un- it's, it's unprecedented, honestly, in, in what Boston's been doing. You have to go back to the, the first couple of weeks of the year. And even that, we don't see a collapse like that in one quarter. No, I mean, so, they scored, four, what was it, 14 points in the third quarter? Yeah, yeah, 39-14 was the result of, yeah. of the third. We're not going to see that anymore. Uh, and honestly, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty certain we'll see Smart back. Uh, and, and that's going to make a, a world of a difference when they play game number two. Um, and, and I honestly think that we're going to see a, a, a significantly more different result than what we saw as they learn from their mistakes, Allie. Yeah, I mean, I'm all over the Celtics for game two. And in my article yesterday when I dissected the the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference finals, I had the Celtics winning the series. And probably a lot of our listeners would be surprised to know, and I'll let you touch more on this, but the Celtics, even though they're the two seed and Miami has home, home court advantage, the Celtics are favored in the series, at least entering game one. So I want you to cap to go on that, Robert. Uh, what should we be looking at now? Uh, current series pricing after losing Game One, and what's your pick going forward? I, I honestly think that the Celtics still win this series. So I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna look, and, and not only that, but the home team's supposed to win each game in the series, right? So it's not it, nothing becomes anything significant until the road team takes one, uh, and I honestly think that will happen in Game Number Two. I find the Celtics learning from their mistake, staying consistent throughout and, and winning game number two in Miami. Uh, but if, again, from a betting perspective, if you just take a look at how this series played itself out, sure, it may have been an anomaly because yes, Miami's the number one seed. And yet with a home court advantage, they were the dog as mm-hmm. far as the series price was concerned. Well, now it's the other way around with Miami up one, nothing in the conference final. Miami is now minus 140. Uh, to win the series. So uh, betting 140 to win 100, get paid 240. Uh, Celtics plus 120 in most places, which was an exact opposite going into game number one. Uh, so if <laughs> you simply just took Miami at plus 120, uh, here you are with the Celtics at plus 120, and uh, you've armed yourself to victory, just like that with two games into the series. Uh, I think, honestly, though, uh, as you look at the way it's played out, uh, Allie, you know, to put a, a bow on it, uh, game number two uh, definitely looks like a great spot uh, for those that want to back a point spread on the Boston Celtics. Right now, yeah. uh, currently as high as four. Totally with you on that. I, like I said, I think the Celtics cover tomorrow, whenever the next game is. I think it's tomorrow, but I'm all over them. And I want to bring up what we were talking about a few weeks ago with, with strategy and betting these NBA series, because like you said, if you jumped over the Celtics. I think yesterday, prior to game one for the series, they were about minus 180, I want to say, 175 in some other sports books. But that's where strategy comes into play. Because when I saw they were favored, and I knew they were going to lose game one, because too, right after you said Smart's out, Horford's out, they're not winning game one. I fade teams coming off of game sevens. So that for me is where it worked out. Because like you said, now they are the underdogs in the series. Now you're getting the plus money that you want. And this is something to emphasize too to our listeners. Really strategize. You know, don't just look at a series if you like the Celtics and say, oh, they're minus 175. Well, let me just go at them right now. You know, 
take each game, break down the series, take each game, game by game, like I did. You know, I knew they weren't going to win game one and say they did win game one. Well, you know what? Then I'm still on them. Maybe I do lose more value, but that was a chance I was willing, risking to take. And it ends up turning out in my favor. Now, I mean, the Celtics could lose a series and then it definitely doesn't work in my favor. But that's one of the things that it is important to emphasize to our first time sports bettors or people really looking to hone their skills is when you're betting series to look ahead and take it game by game. So Robert, is there any other advice you want to give when it comes to betting series like that? No, you nailed it right there, Ali. Uh, honestly, if you're looking at, you know, betting from a series perspective, uh, you know, consider how the ebb and flow of the series is going to go, especially now when you know you've got something to work with right now, going into uh, this morning, uh, favorites are 47 and 23 straight up. So forget about the spread. If you know that their favorites are 47 and 23 straight up, and you knew that Miami was going to be the favorite in game number one, so that's a win, and yet they're a dog for the series. So you know they're going to win game one, and yet you're getting plus money on the series price. So you play the plus on the series, they win the game, and now suddenly they're the favorite to win the series. And so you just arm yourself to victory, just like I mentioned a little while ago, and you're going to make some money on the series without even handicapping anything, just going off just mathematics. Uh, home teams, they're leading uh, 44 uh, wins to 26 straight up. However, it's about 37 and 33 against the spread. Unders, uh, if you're looking at it from an unders perspective, they've dipped to 43 and 27, which is actually almost 62% overall. Uh, but again, just it's looking at it from a, just a serious perspective, if you know, uh, and we've got the body of work, 47-23 straight up overall in the playoffs for the favorites, there it was right there, plain sight. Yeah, and I think we're going to see more unders in the series because once you do get Marcus Smart back and Al Horford, that just helps the Celtics defense altogether. But I know we've got gone on the Eastern Conference Finals for quite a bit. Um, my prediction is I'm taking Celtics in six. What about you, Robert? please. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're in agreement on that. And, you know, I, I like to give the Celtics a lot of credit. I totally over underestimated them. I had them losing to the Nets in round one and that's how wrong I was. I had them losing to the Bucks, but that was a long, hard fought seven game series. And, you know, I think a good turning point in that series was when Giannis had that taunting foul against all Al Horford. And Al Horford just like went off after that because in that case, if the Bucks win that game four, they're up three, one, I don't know if the Celtics win three games in a row, but we could save that for another day. And I do want to move on to the Western conference semis because I'm so excited to watch Luca take on golden state. But before we get to dissecting that series, Let's talk about the disastrous game seven for the Suns the other night. I mean, Robert, if I would have told you that halftime game seven, the score is 57 to 27. Would you have even thought that the Mavericks would have a 30 point lead against the Suns? Uh, I would have thought that the Suns were winning 57 yeah. <laughs> to 27. That's what I would have thought. That was one of the more shocking game sevens. I, just jarring to see, you know, the way they won and the way they ran away, uh, you know, 123 to 90, the final shot 64% from two point range, 19, three pointers made out rebounded them. Uh, Dallas won four of the last five games. We, I think an episode ago or two episodes ago, we were like, eh, okay, Dallas, great job. You know, I'm glad yeah. you guys made it this far. And, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see you maybe next year. Go ahead and, you know, get some more help for Doncic. Um, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Luka Doncic had 27 points by himself in the first half. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, a, I mean, look, what we probably didn't see coming was Spencer Dinwiddie just yeah. losing his ever-loving mind. Just, and, uh, and you'd probably be forgiven for that. You know, he, he entered, he entered game seven, you know, like he was like shooting like 36% in the playoffs, just completely went ballistic, uh, you know, hit five threes, 
I, I don't know. I mean, look, Jalen Brunson, you know, he shook off a sluggish start. He poured in 24 of his own. Maybe, maybe Luka Doncic does have help around him. It looks like it now. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Brunson really came out. And, you know, I was a big fan of him at Villanova. So I really like him going to see that. And it's interesting because Brunson and Doncic were both the Mavs first round picks in 2018. So it's good to see them really come out together. But I mean, before the game, I think the Mavs were a six point underdog, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. But I took the Mavs with the points. I didn't think they would win, but I thought they were going to play it close. And I said, you know, take points. If they win, I'm happy if they lose, but lose by less than six. I'm just as happy because I win my bet. But I mean, I don't know. It was just not so much too that Dallas came out. It was just Phoenix was just a total, the disappointment I would say of the last few playoffs. I mean, you're the defending Western conference champions. You're at home. And you just throw a stink bomb like that. Ten points in the second quarter. Like, you know, and this isn't just a Devin Booker-led Phoenix Suns team. You have Chris Paul. You have DeAndre Ayton. And the fact that they couldn't muster more than 27 points in the first half. I mean, this is a team I don't really know what you do with. You're defending Western Conference champions, like I said. I don't know. It was just just a total collapse. I think it was, I think, you know what, Robert, the best was I was watching the halftime show. Cause this was like on TNT and I was like, I got to see what Shaq says. I got to see what Charles Barkley says. And Charles Barkley looked like someone just shot him in the face. Like he was just like, I'm <laughs> totally just flabbergasted. I'm shocked. And, and I, if I could just make a meme out of his face, I think that describes every Phoenix sun's money line and spread betters just rip up your ticket at halftime. I mean, there's no way that the Suns were coming back, but it was great to see Luca just come out and be dominant. And he really deserved that win. And I'm really happy that we got to see that because I I said last week, you got to make him the best player in the NBA right now. And I'm going to stand by that hot take because Robert, I mean, we saw Joe, the Joker against golden state, he could only lead the Nuggets to one win. We saw Luka just single-handedly, arguably, defeat the Phoenix Suns. I mean, is there a team? Is there a player in the NBA that could have no one around him like Luka with that Mavs roster? Like, can you put LeBron James on that Mavs roster? Can you put Steph Curry on that Mavs roster, or even Giannis? And do they beat the Suns in seven? No, 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 no. They don't. They don't. Uh, and I'm actually like thinking back in like the last 10 years, who was like one example that like we've just seen with what happened in the, uh, this, this se- the series between Dallas and Phoenix, where just one player just said, I'm, I'm going to win this series. And, and there's nothing else that anyone's going to do about it. And actually, I've, it's probably James with the Cleveland Cavaliers team from mm-hmm. years ago, where there really wasn't much else outside of him. Uh, but even that, I, I think he had better talent around him on that squad that he won the championship with than what Doncic has here. I just, no one expected it. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe everyone's just, just made it elementary, almost like we did. And we said, Hey, it's number one. It's, it's the Phoenix Suns. It's Aiton. Aiton, honestly, I, I, I don't know what happened with DeAndre Aiton because he's, he's, he looked really, really incredible in, in, in some points and everything just, I don't know. It, it just didn't seem like they were interested in competing in the start of, I mean, like it's really difficult to say, Hey, let's go out and have a great second half when you're down that many points, uh, you know? And, and so now I, I don't know what's, what's, what we're going to do next. Uh, Allie, if, if, if I had to draw in, in uh, an adult short comic, uh, you'd probably be tearing up, most of the Western conference between the Phoenix Suns, the Utah jazz, rip them all up, get them all out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it really seeing greatness and Doncic has such a bright future ahead of him. And I pick, so let's go on to the Western conference finals. Cause originally I had golden state going to the finals. I had them playing the Suns in the Western conference finals. That's not the case anymore. 
but this is a rare time. And I wrote it in my prediction blog yesterday that I'm switching my pick and I'm picking the Mavericks to defeat the Warriors and go to the finals. And it's not just because of Luca. If we can see from Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson what we saw in game seven, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a lock for me. But also, I was I was doing more research about this. And, you know, Golden State, they had the benefit of playing the Nuggets without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter Jr. So let, that's a wash. They struggled against the Grizzlies even after John Morant went down in game three with an injury. I mean, is this the perfect opponent for Luka and the Mavericks, Robert? Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, and I think that Dallas is still getting you know, significantly disrespected. Even on the series price right now, you could still find most places are, are making the Warriors the favorite to win this series to the tune of minus 220. Uh, there's a 210, uh, but most of the time you're able to find anywhere from 180 to as high as 190 for the dollar on the Mavericks to win the series. I mean, if lots of ifs, right? But there's no Gary Payton Jr. to guard Luca. Uh, you know, so that to me, right off the bat, is one huge red flag because this pretty much is going to give Luka Doncic even more room to to work his magic. And I think he'll probably have even a more uh huger effect on the series than he did against the Phoenix Suns. I mean, Golden State, they definitely looked vulnerable against an inexperienced undermanned Grizzly squad, you know, and given how Dallas's team defenses, you know, and how great Doncic has been playing and, you know, the various role players have stepped up through their run in the first two rounds. I, I refuse to count the Mavericks out. I don't, you know, and I know they're entering the conference finals as significant underdogs. And I think honestly, though, you know, from, from here on out, just one last note on, on Luka Doncic, at least for today his, his legends already growing. I mean, the, the legacy of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, you know, they're going to take this giant shelling and, and they're just going to have to just deal with it. And remember, everyone's going to remember how they really weren't able to close it out against a one man army, you know, and uh, it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. I, I don't think that this one's going to be over in five no. Um, as a matter of fact, six seems to be like the right number. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and if it goes to game seven, uh, I'd be, it'd be very, very difficult for me not to at the very least take points with the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. I mean, I picked Mavs in six when I wrote my blog yesterday. I do think they lose tonight just because I, like I said, I fade teams coming off of game sevens. They did have to travel, you know, from Phoenix to golden state in just a day or two. Uh, so they definitely have less rest, but that's one of the things where I am going to wait to bet on the series, depending on the result of game one. If the Mavs prove me wrong and win, you know, I still think they're going to be underdogs in the series just because they are playing Golden State. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do turn to the favorites, but I think that they are going to lose game one in the, the series pricing. I'm going to get at a better dime than I'm getting now, even though they are underdogs, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that Golden State, you know, the more I watched them this postseason, the less impressed I was with them. You know, there's nights that Clay Thompson just he still doesn't look like he's 100 percent and he goes cold from the three. And that's one thing with the Warriors is that they do live or die by the three. I mean, half almost half their shots that are, per game are by the three. And if they go cold you know, I just don't think they have an inside game like the Mavericks. Luca can just shoot from wherever. Give Luca the ball at the three, at, you know, anywhere, and he can just score at will. And one thing that I wrote that the Mavs have this year that they didn't is defense. And you got to credit Jason Kidd with really stepping up and giving his team the defensive mechanisms they need. Just his coaching, I think he can outcoach Steve Kerr. I never was a big Kerr fan as the Warriors head coach. I think he just inherited a Mark Jackson team that was about to explode. And then obviously you put Kevin Durant on that team and, you know, that speaks for itself. Anyone could coach that team. So I like Dallas to win in six. And I think that they will split the two games in Golden State. I think they win the two games in Dallas. I think Golden State could win game five, but I think Dallas wins game six. I could be wrong. I could always be wrong, but that's my prediction. 
So any other predictions you have on that, Robert? No, I, I, I just see the, the home team holding serve, uh, and uh, I'll pick Golden State to win in seven. Okay. I'm curious on that, because now that I think of it, what was the series pricing in that Suns-Mavericks series after the Mavericks went down 0-2? Well, you could have gotten eight uh, as, as high as nine to one wow. to win the series with the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, no, this is... It's just a matter of, of finding a, a position where if you like the team, no matter where they're going to go, you know, in the first open, because again, the home team's going to win. But if you really think that your dog has a fair chance to win game seven, then wait. Like, for example, tonight, Golden State's favorite by five and a half, right? And currently you can get the Dallas Mavericks at plus 190 to win the series. Conversely, you can get them plus 190 to win the game, game number one today. But if you really like Dallas to win the series against Golden State, <laughs> wait for them to lose game number one. This yeah. is crazy, I know, because it goes against common sense. But right. if you wait for them to lose game number one, now you're going to be able to get the Dallas Mavericks to win the series at plus 250 or maybe even higher. So you, you know you're going to get a bigger pop should they lose? And if we take a look at past performances, home teams are really, really doing very well straight up. So wait for them to lose game number one, play them on the series price at a significantly higher value, and then ride. Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly my strategy in a nutshell that I'm doing right here. So I'm all I'm all over this. I, I would love to see Luca in the finals against the Celtics, or even if it is the Heat. I mean, I'm gonna call it's it's Celtics and it's it's Mavericks right here. And I really think that's like just an old school basketball matchup. I, even though I do say the Celtics kind of play new ball with the three, but I think that they'll have to adjust if they play the Mavericks. So I, I love this time of year. We're really in for a treat with both of these conference finals matchups. You know, I hate always seeing the same teams every year when you have in past years with the Warriors versus LeBron and whoever, whatever team LeBron's on. So I like to see new and young blood in there. And yeah, you know, the Warriors maybe aren't the new blood, but it's a different Warriors team, even though they still have the big three. This is a totally different team than the team that made the finals in 2019. So it'll be interesting to see their matchups. And I'm really excited. But we will move on because I did promise the listeners that we will talk NHL this week. And I've been really stepping up watching the NHL games at this time of year because we both agree there's nothing better than playoff hockey. It's just so intense. There's just so much love for the sport that I have when it enters the playoffs. And I mean, just the other night, I mean, how many overtimes have we had already in the NHL this this playoffs, Robert? Do you know off the top of your head? No, there's just right now there. They're really, really starting to, you know, tie things up. And so where teams are doing what they can in, in the NHL playoffs to, in some cases, not lose, they'll find yeah. their way into a position where they'll be like, okay, we did it. You know, we're on the road. We made it into overtime. Now let's see what we could do from here. Uh, there, there is quite a bit of overtime action. And so actually it's something we could talk about as we roll into yeah. puck line wagering and, and what have you. Uh, but it's it's really, really already, you know, from the opening round, it's been fantastic. Uh, I've watched countless hours of games so far. And uh, it's this is uh, this is my favorite sport. It's something that I've been watching my whole entire life. And uh, I really, really enjoy watching what I'm seeing because we're seeing some amazing talent right out of the box. Uh, and then if we just take a look at how everything is being matched up in these semis, I'm, I'm really excited to start talking about it, Allie. Yeah, let's do it. And let's just start with last night because, you know, obviously my New Jersey Devils aren't in the playoffs and I don't even remember the last time we were in the playoffs or at least worth competing in the playoffs, but we'll save that for another podcast. But watching the Lightning and the Panthers last night, I, I actually do, I really like the Lightning a lot. They've had a great team for many years. And in our office pool, I did pick the Lightning to upset the Panthers in that series. And they won game one. And it was a very exciting game. And I was really excited to watch it. Another series I'm really excited for just being in New Jersey at this time is watching the Rangers tonight take on the Hurricanes. And I can tell you everyone in New Jersey is rooting for the Hurricanes because 
Devils fans, we don't like Rangers fans. So <laughs> it's a very good series to watch. But those are the two series right now in the semis that I'm most excited to watch. How about you, Robert? Yeah, I, I would probably point towards the state of Florida again uh, with the, the Florida Panthers absolutely just running their whole entire season, winning the President's Trophy, which is, uh, you know, finishing atop the standings with a, a 58 18 and six record. They rank number one in the league in goals for averaging over four goals a game. Uh, you know, and, and now they're looking to become the first team in, I don't know, almost 10 years to hoist both the president's trophy and the Stanley cup in the same season. So, you know, when you, when you look at who they're playing, look, Tampa is the, the defending champs twice. They're two X cup champions in a row. Mm-hmm. And what happened last night, Things look great, you know, right from the start. They go up one nothing, but look, there's for for me, handicapping hockey, you know, comes down to a, a few key segments. But the first I always look to is who's your goaltender and just yeah. how hot is your goaltender going into it. So you know, Vasilevsky, he, he's quite possibly one of the best goalies I've ever seen. Uh, you know, he's his stats were very good. You know, not great this year. You know, still with, you know, under two and a half goals against ranked 10th overall among goalies, you know, that qualified for this position. Uh, and, and it's honestly, it's far more than that because his playoff history speaks for itself. In the two cup runs, he completely starts to shut down where his goals against average goes down to 1.90 in, in both of the years. He's saving 92.7% of all shots on goal. Uh, and that was two years ago. Then he went up to almost 94% in last year and he recorded a shutout in all four series clinching wins last year. So he's a guy you definitely want to have in the crease because he's just been so stellar. Uh, you know, to me, that is the most exciting series. It might be in all of the playoffs. Again, you're finding a team number one in the entire league this year, going against a two-time Stanley cup champion, really early and you're getting some really great great hockey right over there that's my favorite matchup so far yeah and that's you know let's talk upsets like I said I picked the lightning to beat the panthers and one thing I say about hockey than any other sport is no matter if you're a one seed or an eight seed I mean I think this is the one sport where these teams are more evenly matched when it comes to the postseason than you may think I mean we saw just about every series was six or seven games. I think the only one was, you know, Colorado in the first round swept their opponent. But otherwise, I mean, the Rangers won in seven, the Hurricanes won in seven, the Lightning won in seven, the Panthers won in six, Edmonton beat LA in seven. I I mean, these teams are so evenly matched up when it comes to the postseason because they bring it their all. That, you know, if if you're betting a series expect to be expected to go six or seven games, which comes a strategy with, with betting the NHL. And I want to talk about the over under, because one thing about the NHL, and I know you were mentioning goalies when it comes to playoffs, I bet the overs a lot because of the overtime factor. So what do you have as advice for people looking to bet in NHL for the first time, Robert? There's, there's a lot. And and I, I, I want to go ahead and just see if I can wrap up you know, four things that I always look for in, in, in about five minutes. So you're absolutely right. You know, the total has been completely turned upside down where in playoff hockey, you could pretty much count on, you know, two, one results, three, two results, you know, not too long ago. Now we're looking at cumulative goals, you know, fours, five, six, sevens very easily, an average of just under 6.3 goals per game being scored in the first round. 38 of the 51 games so far in the playoffs are at least six goals. And that's definitely been reflected in all of these individual matchups uh, where you see six and a half regularly. Uh, You know, I called out what kind of a run uh, first period total, uh, which, you know, one and a half is typically the number. It's going over one and a half for fun, Uh, you know, and and it's just the way it is. No matter how good the goaltenders are, the the offenses are that much better. Um, So if we just take a look at, you know, handicapping hockey and how to play hockey, best strategies that I follow is, well, actually, Ali, it's one that you have to go to regarding 
any sport, when you make a wager, always compare platforms for the best price. You know, this, this is rule number one, no matter what the sport, you always want to find your best price once you decide that you found something that you want to go ahead and, and make a wager on. Uh, the second thing that I look for is isolate that top team in the league on the road and then, you know, observe the value that, you know, appears when they are away. Like, for example, the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, we saw exactly what they did and how well they perform on the road. They're still playing in their home state, and yet you're getting great value on them as a road team. So playing them uh, as a road price, always, always really, really smart when you look at it there. Yeah, and I love my plus money. So when I look at a puck line, if I really like the favorite and I see a minus, you know, the puck line, they're favored one point minus 1.5, and I get plus money with them, I'm taking that chance if they're the home team. And I'm also taking a chance if I get plus 1.5 as an underdog and there's plus money with that, although you don't see it too often in the playoffs. But, you know, for me, like I told you a few episodes ago, I have the plus money on my shoes. I'm all for plus money. So if you see a home favorite and they're getting plus money on that puck line, I, for one, jump all over it. What do you think, Robert? Right. So this is great. I'm, I'm, we dovetail now to, uh, you know, just how many games are decided by one goal. And this plays into laying the puck line minus one and a half goals in the playoffs. So. I mean, we're taking a look at just how many of the games, 13 of 51 games were decided just by one goal, right? And so, you know, why is this happening? You know, in, in round one, they produced an outs- just completely astounding 29 empty net goals, turning games that were, you know, pretty competitive for the first 56 plus minutes into multiple results. So is this a fluke? You know, is this something that will reverse course as the postseason continues? Eh, perhaps. I just think it's worth mentioning that last year's playoffs saw 30 empty netters across the entire playoffs. So we're already at 29. So, you know, even if empty net goals stop coming in bunches, I think there's a reason to believe that we're going to continue to see uh, this continuing to happen, you know, into the conference semis and pop, you know, perhaps, you know, beyond why the top four power play teams in order, uh, Colorado, Edmonton, uh, that team that plays at Madison Square Garden. Uh, yes, you heard me right there, Ali. I'm not <laughs> mentioning them. <laughs> and St. Louis, they're all still alive. Yep. So with that being said, you know, the three clubs that had, uh, you know, top 10 power plays in the regular season, which is Florida, they were fifth. Tampa Bay, they were eighth. And Calgary, they were 10th. Uh, you know, they're going to figure to be much more proficient with the man advantage moving forward, you know, as well. So, the power and then the power, you know, the power play unit, you know, for example, uh, you know, Carolina, you know, they were like really inept in the first round. They were really, really good in, during the regular season as well. So what, what did we see yesterday? We saw so many, I mean, look, if you're down a man, if you got, if you're drawing penalties, you're not going to score a goal. If you're short, it's almost impossible to score a goal just just on baseline alone. So that's exactly what happened with Tampa. Tampa drew so many penalties. Florida was basically just shooting themselves every single time they were gaining momentum. There goes another silly penalty giving Tampa, forget about Tampa, the opportunity to just score. It's just with them already up and still continuing to have a man advantage on the ice. It just ended up becoming an impossible mission for the Panthers and so that's something where I'm looking at. You're absolutely right. Laying a goal and a half uh, is absolutely something that you should consider. And heck, if we take a look at you, you could do a, you know, a, a similar situation where not only can you, you know, lay a goal and a half, but you could do an alternate goal line where if you think that Tampa not only is going to be great on the road, like for example, like we saw yesterday, instead of getting a goal and a half, you could lay a goal and a half as an underdog at a really big price. So you could be looking at, you know, plus 300, maybe even higher if you believe Tampa can not only win, but win by two. Well, they won by three. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm all for the plus money. And I actually, you know what? I, I, tr- I try to do alternative lines more often. I just end up not doing it, but you make a great point because like you said, I thought Tampa was going to win that game yesterday. You know, 
take, yeah, take, take a minus one and a half or take a minus two and a half, whatever you think is going to win. Hockey is just such a beautiful sport that there is just so many other factors that the other sports have the other sports lack that hockey does, you know, what other sport do you factor in penalty, you know, power plays or overtime in the postseason like that? Like, you know, you don't see it as often. So, you know, hockey is just a, it's probably one of the most intricate sports to bet, you know, NFL, we see from time to time. It's just, it's pretty simple. It's everyone does the money line, the spread, the over under people don't really explore prop bets until it comes down to the Super Bowl. Same thing with basketball. I mean, there's not as much to consider as there is in hockey. You know, basketball, you don't really, you know, a foul is a foul. It goes to the free throw line. It's not the same as a power play. A power play is really going to give the other team the advantage to score. So I really love this this postseason for hockey. Just to recap some upsets I have, besides having the Lightning beat the Panthers, I actually have the Blues upsetting the Avalanche, even though the Blues did lose last night. They were winning and then they lost, but I still think the Blues can upset the Avalanche. And those are my two big upsets. What about you, Robert? I, I only see one that's really, you know, bright for me, and, and that's Tampa. Again, there, there's a reason that they've won and they've had their names etched on Lord Stanley's Cup two times in a row. Uh, and, and it looks more and more like they're going to, reach their top form and, and roll right into the cup finals for me. So if, if I'm picking a uh, upset, I can't believe I'm saying this with a two-time defending champion, but Tampa would be my most likely upset going forward into the Stanley cup finals. Yeah. It's almost unfair that we see these two teams in the semis and not in the, in the conference finals, but you know, that's how the seeding rolls out. So not complaining. It's still great hockey, whatever you look at it. But let's get into the finals and for our people looking to place futures bets. Right now, Robert, who do you see as the best value to win the finals? Uh, the best value at this time, obviously, is just because of the way everything's played itself out and what we've just discussed. Uh, it looks like you know, right now the St. Louis Blues are going to be the one with the highest value. You could find them anywhere between 18 to even as high as 21 to 1 to win the cup. Uh, and and that's just based on, you know, how they made it their way and what their current matchup is today. Uh, you know, it, it's going to take, you know, quite an effort, you know, to go in and advance past Colorado, who's, you know, they, it's clear why Colorado's shown why they're the leader of the pack. You know, they've, they've completed their round one series sweep of the Nashville Predators with ease. They look completely dominant on both ends of the ice, outscoring them 21 to nine. Uh, so, they're just loaded with talent. You know, that being said, you know, the blues right now, you know, down one, you could get them as high as almost as six to one to win the series. And that's why they're 18 to one to win the cup. There's your best value right there, Allie. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because in our office pool, I have the blues winning the cup. <laughs> I had to go different. I knew everyone was going to pick the avalanche or the Panthers or the hurricanes or something. So I went the other way. But yeah, no, I, I, I like the blues at that value and everything. I think that the lightning have a great value. I would jump on that as well. But um, let's let's take your prediction. Who do you have winning the cup? So initially, when we when we laid out the whole entire lay of the land, I, I pretty much found any kind of biases that I had. And I had to throw them out the window and just go by what I saw as, as the most talented team. Honestly, and I just you know, color to it just a little while ago. I mean, you know, Kale McCarr, he's, he's the con, you know, co-con Smith betting favorite right now. He's leading the league with 10 postseason points. Nathan McKinnon, he's already potted five goals in the four game series against Nashville. I like Colorado. Uh, I just think that they're honestly, you know, on, on a roll right now that it's very difficult to look up and down line one, two, and three and find any fault in them. When you have a defenseman like Makar, he's, he could take over a game just simply by himself. So every once in a while, you see a, a, a generational talent come across. Makar is definitely him, and he's going to be playing for a really, really long time. Uh, uh, my pick, Colorado. All right. Well, like I said, I, I wanted Colorado as well, and then I saw – I figured, well, I didn't see everyone's pick yet, but 
in the chat, I know everyone was picking Colorado. So I was like, I can't pick Colorado. And I've always been a St. Louis Blues fan. I don't know. I, I've just had a, a, a like for them for a longest time after my New Jersey Devils lightning as well. But I took, you know what? You need to take chances sometimes in betting. So I took the Blues to upset the Avalanche. I have the Blues going to the finals. I have the Blues winning the finals. Am I right? Probably not. But, you know, I fade the public. I go the other way. So I might jump on that 18 to one right now. That, that might be a, a low risk, high reward uh, type of thing. But unfortunately, we are running out of time again, as we always do. It's just so much fun for the hour. But before we go, Robert, any last tips, uh, whether it's the NBA or the NHL betting wise for our listeners? Uh, again, if I'm looking at, you know, anything from a betting perspective right now, just remember what we're looking at. The baseline is very simple. NBA, your favorites are 47 and 23 straight up. That's just the way things have been playing. So home team, absolutely cooking. The NHL, Tuesday night favorites did go one and one, uh, you know, but still lead 34 to 19 overall in the playoffs. Home teams also went one and one and lead 33 to 20 overall. Overs, overs, overs. So yep. it's just what we see. It's historical. Play the overs in the NHL. You're going to probably do well as we're almost at 61% to the overs. And NBA, your favorites, 47 and 23 straight up, Allie. Yeah. I mean, everyone loves betting overs. Take advantage. Bet the overs in the NHL. But unfortunately, like I said, that is all the time we have for this week. Uh, we will be back next week dissecting more of the NBA conference finals. We'll be going right back into the NHL final conference finals, probably as long as well as the semis that are going on now. So this is just fun. I, I love talking playoffs, whether it's hockey, whether it's basketball, even when we get to MLB and, and football, but I mean, the playoffs, it's just, it's the playoffs. It's a beautiful thing. So thank you everyone for joining and we will see you next week. Take care.